And here we are now, you know, six years later with, um, with, uh, you know, a website that gets a good amount of, uh, uh, traffic every year from, from patients and has a lot of articles. And it, it just came from that, that conversation of what, how do we help patients understand what we're trying to say? We know they're getting their reports and there really isn't anything out there to, to, to help them with the specifics. Can we do something about it? Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, forensic science, and how to spread the word about these fields. In this era of patients having access to their pathology reports, there is the danger of misinterpretation. Today's guest, Dr. Jason Wasserman, decided to take on this challenge. He started My Pathology Report with the goal of helping patients understand their pathology reports. And as we'll see, the response from patients has been overwhelmingly positive. The site uses articles and pictures to illustrate pathology terms that a lot of people wouldn't otherwise understand. All right, let's find out more about this with Dr. Jason Wasserman. And this is kind of the question I always ask people. So what was your inspiration for going to medical school, for becoming a doctor in the first place? I think the original inspiration was just curiosity. I all, when I was younger, I was always really interested in how the body worked. I always thought it was rather fascinating that everything worked together and, you know, functioned the way it did. And whenever I had to see a doctor, you know, for routine checkups or little things, as a little kid, I always thought it was amazing that they could just look at you and, you know, do an examination and, and, uh, do some simple tests and come up with a, with an answer for your problems or, you know, a, some sort of an explanation for what was going on. I thought it was, it was almost magic in a way when I was a younger and I, I was really interested in pursuing that as I got older. And, uh, when I went through university, you know, got more into science and, uh, more into the, um, research side of things, but was always, uh, brought back to patient care and, and, and actually learning more about, about people and the, and the, the kind of issues they have and how, again, how the body works. So. It all comes back to curiosity in the end, and I, I'm, I'm glad I made the choice that I did. Was there a particular point in time with, where you're like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think when I was about eight years old, I told myself this was gonna, what I was going to do. I, I still have an anatomy book that my parents bought me when I was that old. I share it with my, uh, with my kids now. They find it fascinating because it's a super old looking really you know thin little book that we got at uh at some bookstore that probably doesn't exist anymore um back then and uh the kids the kids find it great and i i remember flipping through this when i was a kid and telling myself this was what i was going to do I, of course as you get older you you start you you waffle a bit and you you start to consider other careers things that you didn't know about but ultimately i came back to what i uh what i originally loved which was which was medicine oh that's that that's a good story i like that a lot how about as far as a specialty did you have going into medical school did you have any idea about that so i before medical school i uh actually did my a phd at uh uh the toronto western hospital in the university of toronto and i was really interested in how the brain worked and uh and it, stroke in particular and how the brain responded to that and uh, when i was done grad school and completed my phd i and went to medical school, I was really leaning towards either neurology or neurosurgery. Uh, I, I quickly realized that I could not do neurosurgery because I don't have the 
the technical skills for being a surgeon. Not not everyone does, and I certainly did not have the dexterity required to be a surgeon. Uh, neurology, though, was a real interest for me, and I and I and I did a lot of um, work on that in, in 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 medical school. But in the end, I was always drawn back to the microscope. It was something I had used in graduate in grad school, and I was always drawn back to actually seeing the disease, seeing what was going on inside the body. I thought that was just fascinating. And uh, so, you know, I left the clinical ambitions behind and, and, and pursued something, uh, you know, uh, that, that where I could see uh, what was happening and went into pathology. So there were, there was, there were so many great options for people going into medicine and it, it's, you know, there's, there's always more than one thing that you could do. So pathology was, was, was what I ultimately chose, but um, there were other things that, that, that interested me and that, that still do interest me. Had you heard of the option to go into pathology? I know for some people, like they didn't realize that a pathologist was is, is something that, that they could do. You know, you know what I mean? Like you, you get very little exposure to it from what I've heard in medical school. Yeah. It, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I did. I knew very little about what a pathologist did prior to medical school. I knew still very little about what a pathologist did when I was in medical school. Um, Where I went to medical school, we do have pathologists teaching uh, some of our courses. I teach right now at at the University of Ottawa, but the exposure is 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 pretty small, Um, and you don't really get a sense in medical school of the actual day to day of what a pathologist does. You know, you kind of you got to get a background of, you know, what their what their profession is about, but you don't really see how they work. And I, I think that the students unfortunately miss out really on on the on the the real. Um, you know, the real excitement behind pathology and what makes it such a good career. So I didn't know that much until I was in my, my last couple of years of medical school and I did some electives in pathology and I got a chance to really see what pathology was doing. And at that point, I realized, well, this is this is a great this is a great option for me. Like they're, they're doing exactly what I want to do every day. That's a it's a story of at least versions of that that I've heard before where you when you finally get into pathology. And you see what it is, and you go, yes, of course, this is absolutely. Once we show students what we do, we uh, we we get some converts pretty quickly. Yeah, yep, yeah, I've heard that before. All right, so what about head and neck pathology? Because you went and did a fellowship in that. Uh, how how did you become interested in head and neck? Well, that was a combination of uh, the the uh, the training that I did here in my residency, and also just my my my. I, my interest in terms of the, the disease processes that, you know, that I wanted to study. So I think the, the primary driver for me was that I had a great mentor here uh, at the Ottawa Hospital when I was a resident, uh, Dr. Bibiana Bravina, who taught me a lot of head and neck pathology. I wasn't interested in it initially, but when I started, you know, working uh, in that subspecialty with her and having getting a chance to do some rotations on the head and neck service, I realized, you know, just the the, the wide range and and you know fascinating kind of entities that 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 uh, that she was seeing every day and and the way she talked about it and the, you know her, her own level of interest in it and the research she was doing really kind of drew me to it um, I also realized pretty quick that because I, I I have an interest in oncology more than other you know other medical conditions uh, there was a lot of really interesting uh, tumors interesting cancers within the head and neck and a lot of things we didn't know much about still like there was a lot there were a lot of entities that we still uh, needed to uh, needed to learn more about do more research in that and that that interests me that there was a lot of opportunity 
Uh, I, I attended some conferences, went to these, you know, head and neck uh, pathology meetings, and uh, it's a great community. Uh, it's, uh, it's a close-knit and fairly small community, and everyone is really supportive of each other. And, and uh, I, was, I, was quickly, I was quickly interested to, to, to join that. And uh, later on, when I went and did more training, I, I, I met more people in, in, in head and neck pathology, and I, I realized that this was a good mix of the, of the kind of entities that I want to see every day, but uh, also a nice small community to work with. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, you know, where, where I work. Um, we get a fair amount of head and neck cases and they're complicated, but they're also very interesting. They are. Yeah. You, 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 you there's a, there's, there's a lot of anatomy to it. You need to know your anatomy. You need to know your physiology. You need to understand that the different entities and have, and have a wide differential for, for some things. And that's, you know, going back to my, my general medical interest, you know, I wasn't always just pathology. I still like to think about all the other things that patients could have rather than just, you know, the tumor that I'm diagnosing them with at the end or, you know, the specific entity. And it, it, there's, a, there's a real opportunity to think more broadly in head and neck pathology, which is great. And I like that you brought up having a mentor because this is so important. It can really shape the, the path that you take in your career, having, having a really good mentor. So I, I like that you brought that up. That's it's such an important thing to have. Yeah, and I, I was I was very lucky that I had a great mentor here in Dr. Perina. But then when I went and did my fellowship in Toronto, um, I had uh, also a great mentor in uh, Dr. Elon Weinrab, who's you know um, world renowned in his in his research he's done in, in head and neck uh, pathology. Uh, you know, author of numerous uh, books on this topic and. And he, he has a he has a real great way of looking at neck pathology, uh, very down to earth, a uh, very practical approach. And I getting to spend a year with him in at University Health Network in Toronto uh, solidified my, my interest at that point, and I think really gave me a very solid base. So then ultimately I ended up coming back to Ottawa uh, to work, um, and I really felt at that point like you know um, I had an opportunity to to, to learn from two great pathologist and it, and it sets you off on a good footing to start your career. All right, let's get into talking about mypathologyreport.ca. So this is a website that you founded in 2018. Correct. And I I kind of want to go back to the beginning of that like when did you first or I guess how or when did you first think of think of this idea? Like how did how did that kind of germinate in your mind? The nightest for this for this uh, project was just before I left to go on my fellowship, my last year of residency here in Ottawa. I was looking at a case with our then uh, division uh, chief, Japonker uh, Banerjee, and he's a lymphoma pathologist. And we were looking at a biopsy from a patient, and it was the third biopsy this patient had had, and it was a coronal biopsy. And I we noted that you know, we had a lot of difficulty narrowing down the diagnosis because there was so little tissue. And then when we looked back on their history, we saw that they had had two previous biopsies and both times, you know, the pathologist gave a descriptive uh, diagnosis, but not definitive. And then tried to say that, you know, an excisional biopsy was required and, and, and why we couldn't make a diagnosis in this long winded explanation. And we, we, we talked about this and I remember saying to him, well, you know, if our clinical colleagues are not able to understand what we're putting in the pathology report, like we're trying to explain to them here why we're having trouble with this diagnosis, why we need additional tissue. And they keep 
doing the same corneal biopsy. If our clinical colleagues are having trouble understanding our reports, what are the chances that, are, that our patients who now are getting access to these reports are ever going to understand what he's what we're saying? And he right. said, well, you know, they're not. And he's like, you know, someone should someone needs to do something about that. But he's like, it's going to be very hard to explain that to, to patients. And so I kind of joked, well, you know, someone maybe should just start a website where we just explain pathology to patients. And he said to me, because, you know, is his way, uh, you know, he's, you know, challenge people to kind of go forward with their ideas. And he said, okay, well, that's a good idea, Jason. Go ahead, start a website and explain that, explain this patients. You know, it'll, I'm, I'm sure it'll be helpful. Um, and so we were joking about that. It wasn't, it wasn't serious at that time, but then I went home and I, I kind of ruminated on it for a while. I thought, you know what? Why not? Like, why, there is nothing out there to, to explain pathology to patients. Why not? Why not just throw, you know, 20 art- basic articles up online on some website and, and just try to explain some of the basic terms, atypia, dysplasia, margins, you know, just stuff we say every day. And, you know, I was sitting there with, at home with my, with my wife and, and, and kids one morning and the, the, the name, my pathology report just kind of popped into my head and I, and I went and looked it up and saw that it wasn't taken and registered it. And in my usual impulsive kind of way, just kind of launch myself into a project. I, uh, I, I, I often do that where I just kind of go headlong into it before thinking it through fully. And here we are now, you know, six years later with, um, with, uh, you know, a website that gets a good amount of uh, uh, traffic every year from from patients and has a lot of articles, and it, it just came from that that conversation of what how do we help patients understand what we're trying to say? We know they are getting their reports, and there really isn't anything out there to 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 help them with the specifics. Can we do something about it? So six years later, that's that's where we are. Oh, I like it. That's a great story, and. You're right. There is definitely a need for something like this, especially, like you said, now that patients can read their own pathology reports. And I often wonder, do do they even know what these words mean? Absolutely. So was that the beginning then, kind of the pathology glossary? Was that the beginning of the site? Yes. Yeah. So that was, so the beginning was just like, let's make a dictionary, you know, let's make a glossary dictionary and just put some, some, some terms in there and, and put them online and share them with some people and see what they think. So it, it really, it really was just common terms initially, like I said, like atypia, dysplasia, margins, uh, lymphovascular invasion, really simple stuff. And I was fairly happy with that. I thought that was a good start. You know, there are great resources out there to help patients understand like what happens how pathology incorporates into the into the into their medical care you know there there are pathology organizations and medical organizations that provide general information but I, what we wanted to do was really get into the specifics really talk about the the words that the, the, the phrases that pathologists used so it started with uh, with a glossary and then uh, we started talking to some uh, you know patient advisors at uh, University Health Network and here in Ottawa and they gave us some suggestions on like other way, you know, ways we could expand the site and with, with some diagnostic articles. So then we kind of split the site into two parts, which was the dictionary and then the diagnostic articles. And diagnostic articles were, this is your diagnosis. What are the things that you might expect to see in your report? And we try to break it down into sections of, of all the common elements they're going to see in their report. And of course, that would link to also the dictionary and to, 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 you know, any other terms that might come up. So it grew from there. And now we have hundreds of diagnostic articles and hundreds of, of articles in the, in the, in the dictionary. So it's grown quite a bit. But what's funny is that when I look back on the original 
articles that I wrote, I realized how awful they were in the sense that I thought I had a sense of like how to write things in a nice, simple way for patients to understand. But now with everything I've learned from the patient advisors and others we've worked with, they were still too complicated. They were, they were not simple enough. It was not, uh, at the level it needed to be to, to make them understandable. So those articles have all been revised. And, you know, it, what, what you see on the site now is a, is a real, it's an evolution of, of our thought process in terms of how to help patients with this information. That's interesting. Revising those articles. Like, would you say that was the most difficult part? Like trying to write these things in a language that the average person could understand? Absolutely. That, that was definitely the hardest part. Uh, 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 and it's still, it's still the hardest part. Um, you know, there are certain words that I struggle to explain to myself with what I mean by that. And, and pathologists like to use the word, oh, it's the gestalt. You know, when you, when you look at this slide, you just know yeah. what this, what this term means, but that's not really helpful. And, and, and I've honestly come to believe that if you can't explain to someone else, and I, I use the analogy of my kids, if I can't explain to my kids what I mean by this, I probably don't know it either. And so, you know, we started looking at some of these terms. And I said, well, there's got to be a way to describe it. But it was very difficult. Those original articles, it took me like two or three days to really come up with a good way of describing atypia. Now, it's a little bit easier. I've you know, got some practice doing this, but I, I could not figure out what were the important details that patients needed to know about this term. But we use it, we throw it around all the time as pathologists. And so figuring out the language, the significance also, like what they don't need to necessarily know everything about this term. What are they, what do patients really need to know? And working with our patient advisors has been very helpful because they've kind of narrowed it down for us and focused us on, well, you know, yeah, you talk about this, but do we really care? Like it's, what does it mean for me? Like, what does it mean for, you know, my management and, and, and the treatment options? So we've tried to focus that. That was one of the most difficult things. The other difficult thing was um, the lack of uh, consistent terminology and pathology. The fact that everyone uses yes. their own wording for everything. We really struggled with how to, how many versions of an article, of a diagnostic article do you want to post? You know, I, I, how many ways can you say the same thing? Or is there a better way of writing this article so that you capture all the possible ways that pathologists around the world are going to say this? And we, we've come to the conclusion that, you know, there we're not going to capture everything. There's always going to be another version of this term, of this diagnosis out there. We do our best. That's a, that's a real struggle. If we had more consistent terminology and pathology, it would be probably a lot easier to write these articles. But uh, until then, we we try to keep them broad so that people could figure could find what they're looking for. Okay. Now you're not the only one writing these articles on the site. You've got you've recruited other pathologists to do this along with you. How did you bring this up to them? How did, how did you recruit other people to help you? There are other people helping, and I, and I greatly appreciate everyone's support who's, who's worked on the site over the years. Some people I approach directly, like the ones who I work with here, I you know see them in the hall and I say, hey, do you have, a, do you have any interest in writing an article on this uh, skin tumor that I'm not particularly familiar with myself because I don't do derm and you would be better at it this, this than me? And, uh, you know, they often say yes, and they're, they're, they're happy to contribute something. A lot of other instances, though, it's actually people finding the website and then reaching out, sending, uh, sending us an email and saying, hey, I see what you're doing here, and I'd like to contribute. And these are 
like-minded pathologists in the sense that they know their reports are being read by patients and they want to do something to, to make it a little bit easier for people to understand what they're saying because they know they can't put a full explanation in every single report. So if they write an article that gets read by a bunch of people, it might be, uh, you know, might be more broadly applicable. So we've had a lot of, um, a lot of the, um, the authors that you see on the site have contacted us and said, can I write something for the site? And that's fantastic. We're always uh, happy to, um, you know, welcome new people on who, who are interested in writing. Uh, you know, I, I have written a lot of the articles on the site because um, I, I feel like I can't put the burden for all this on other people. And the reality is I'm, you know, I, I'm motivated uh, to, to, to do it. I This is something that uh, that I started and I, I still find it to be, uh, you know, exciting and, and, I, and I enjoy working on it. But whenever people do volunteer, we always, uh, always happy to, uh, to accept their help. And we have, we have some new people who recently joined and who, who have been writing some great articles for us that are, that are, you know, really helpful and way above my skill level for some of these, uh, subspecialties. So it's so important to have these experts involved. Have you had, when you approach someone to maybe write an article for the site and they said, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. And because there's, there's been this sort of traditionally and at least the pathologists don't interact with patients for the most part and have you had anyone say you know we really need to keep this kind of divide here like there's still there's a danger of uh something lost in translation or something like that you know what i mean oh absolutely and 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 there um there have been people that i've i've spoken to about this and very early on uh in particular when i've done with the idea was just kind of being built I spoke to a couple uh, pathologists who, you know, said this, that is not something you should be pursuing. That is not something pathologists should be doing. It is not possible to explain pathology to patients. It is not intended for patients. It is intended for the, uh, their, 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 their doctors. It is intended for clinicians. And, uh, you know, you are just going to go down a rabbit hole here where you're going to be trying to explain things that really just cannot be explained and you shouldn't do this. Others, um, were took uh, more of the of the perspective that although you might be able to explain this, this really is not something we should be doing. This really is for the clinician to explain our report to the patient, and it's just not it's not worthwhile for you to be doing this. And I respect those views in the sense that I understand that you know that was the prevailing view for a long time, and I don't expect people to just flip a switch and say yes, we should be talking about these things, right. um, and because we were behind the microscope for many years, just putting out a report and letting the clinician talk about it for us. But it's our report, you know, and if anyone knows it and can explain it, it's, it's the pathologist. And I'm certainly not trying to tell the clinician what treatments to offer. And I'm certainly not trying to tell them like how to manage the patient long-term. But I do think that by giving the patient some advice and support with reading to read their report uh they will be able to go to those meetings with their clinicians and ask good questions and be able to be play a more active role in in that conversation which will actually then make it easier for everybody else will make it easier to to explain the management options and and and, and the path forward because they think the patients understand what they've been diagnosed with or, or what their pathology report says but, you know, we also have to keep in mind that this it's not the website that made the reports available to patients. 
right? Patient groups have been calling for this for years. Hospitals and medical organizations have made the choice to make pathology reports available. And I think some people interpreted this website as the reason why reports were available to patients now. It's the other way around. The reports were already available to patients, right? In, in most, most hospitals in Canada where I am do make the reports available. The Cures Act in the United States mandates that all reports be made available. So we are not the one making the reports available. What we're saying is the reports are available. The patients already see them. What do we do now? What do we as a profession do to help our patients understand what we're trying to say in very complicated language, right? We don't, we don't speak in simple language of pathology. Um, what do we do to help our patients? What do we do to help our clinical colleagues so that they can explain the report to patients? But also, what are we doing to advance our profession, to, to show that this is what we do and it's important, the work that we're doing, and explain from our perspective what it is that we are contributing to medical care. So for all those reasons, I thought it was important to, to you know, to push on with this. And uh, there, were, there, there are still detractors, and, and I, I respect that. But there's a lot of people who are also very supportive because they realize that the patients are reading their reports now. So we might as well do something. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Dr. Jason Wasserman. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists, like us, for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. If you're trying to understand the ever-changing world of digital pathology and image analysis, there's a new course that can help you, Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis. Now, this course was created by Dr. Alexandra Zhurov, who you might remember from episode 53 of this podcast. She also writes the Digital Pathology Place blog and hosts the Digital Pathology Podcast. Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis aims to bridge the gap between computer science and pathology and explains some of the complicated concepts in image analysis. You can sign up for this course by following the link in the show notes. Now for the rest of my conversation with Dr. Jason Wasserman on the People of Pathology podcast. You, you must have heard from patients as far as this, the effect that this has had on them. What, what sort of feedback have you gotten from patients? We get a lot of very positive emails uh, from mm -hmm. patients directly to the website, uh, you know, thanking us for providing an explanation. They ask questions and then when we, we answer their questions or we send them a link to one of our articles and they, you know, they, they, they respond that they appreciated the, uh, the resource to, to help them understand their report better. Uh, but we've also worked with um, patient advisors. We have an in-house group of patient advisors now at My Pathology Report. Um, that are that are fantastic, and they basically review our new articles, they review revisions, and they give us feedback. And these are all people who um, have had some interaction, some at some point in their life with with uh, medicine, with pathology reports. These are not pathologists, though. Yeah, so they're they're giving us that real world feedback, and based on what we've heard from our patient advisors, they they like the level that we're writing on. They like the way we're presenting the work. They, they, um, they like the way we're breaking down the report and making it easy for patient to, 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 to understand. They love the pictures. That's probably the number one thing. Uh, and, uh, 
Yeah. That's uh, the work of Dr. Zuzana Gorski. She's a, uh, a resident here at the uh, at the Ottawa Hospital, and she produces all this great uh, original artwork to help explain complex uh, topics. And although I would love to say that um, I get the credit for really making this website, um, you know, fun and easy to use for patients, it's the pictures. It's it's it the the words that I write support the pictures that she draws and the patients consistently tell us that uh, they, they, they really, really find the pictures to be helpful. And so, you know, she's been a great asset to this website and, you know, she does this like everyone else. She does this It's a voluntary thing, right? Everyone just contributes their, 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 their spare time to do these things. And she's made hundreds of pictures at this point, but the feedback we've got about the quality of the articles, the, the way they look, the way they're laid out has been very positive. You know, we do get constructive feedback, too, from our patient advisors, right? We get feedback about new articles where, you know, they'll say, that one is too complex. I didn't understand that section. or I don't know what you mean by this. Or, um, you know, I get what you're trying to say, but I lost you halfway through. And that's invaluable to us because, again, as a, as a, as a medical professional, you write these things and you, 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 you think it's pretty good sometimes. You think this is pretty clear. And then you speak to the actual person who you are trying to help, who you're writing this article for, and they tell you this does not help them, that it's too complex. And then you go back and you make make changes. And like like I said, our, our original articles uh, have been, all of them have been completely revised at this point. They're, I don't think you'll find almost anything on the site that is still the original, the original, you know, uh, text that was written because... Um, we got a lot of feedback since then about how to make it better. So a lot of positive feedback, but also good, serious, constructive feedback from our patient advisors and from others who we've worked with. And that's, that has really uh, made the site into, into what it is today. Okay. So it's, it sounds like it's constantly evolving and being updated. It, it is. And it's, it's something, you know, that, that you, uh, that uh, it, it's easy to be constantly updating it because, you, you know, I, I look at an article and I, I find a line that like, yeah, not, not as good as it can be and, and make a change. But because the site has so many articles now, it's, it's easy to basically be constantly updating it. So I've had to be a little bit regimented in terms of like the order that we do things to make sure that uh, they get reviewed on a, on a reasonable, uh, uh, you know, reasonable uh, basis uh, and, you know, with, with some, with some structure to it. Uh, but yeah, the articles are constantly being updated. I, 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 there's nothing static about the website whatsoever. One of the uh, parts of the website that I wanted to get into in particular was called the, it's the Ask a Pathologist section. So patients, or I guess anybody can submit a, a question and it is answered by an actual pathologist, which is, I don't want to say revolutionary, but I can't think of a better word. Like this is direct contact from pathologist to patient how did that start now how does this process work so that um that that came up through conversations with uh you know our, our patient advisors and uh and 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 some pathologists who worked on the on, on on the uh on the project and they were we just kind of wondered what what are what are patients thinking about these these articles when they read them? Like, do they have follow up questions? Are there things that um, are there things that we can do to you know provide them with a little bit more information? Do, you know, do, do they do they are there common follow up questions that maybe we can be helping uh, answer? So uh, again, like a lot of things on the site, just kind of uh, slightly impulsive uh, move to 
throw a, 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 a section up there called Ask a Pathologist. More to see if people would would uh, would use it. Uh, you know, if we um, if we make that available, are, are people going to start sending us questions? And the answer was yes. If, if, if we get a lot of a lot of questions from people, the questions are answered by a member of our team. Often uh, it, it's me or one of the or one of the other subspecialty pathologists uh, who are looking at the question. Um, if it, you know, when I, when I receive the email, if it's, if it's not something that I'm comfortable with, because, you know, it's not in my area of expertise, I'll send it on to one of my colleagues and ask them. So we, we, we answer, um, as many questions as we can. And we, uh, we answer it as quickly as we can. It's, we have a small team here at my pathology report and we get a lot of emails. And so it is, it is impossible to respond to everybody. Um, especially within, you know, the, the couple days that we, that we want to, but, uh, we do our best. Uh, we, we stick to, we stick to pathology. We don't, um, we don't answer questions about treatment. We don't answer questions really about prognosis or anything else that's best discussed with their doctor. Um, we, what we answer are things like, uh, if they say, well, my report says there is dysplasia here. Does that mean I have cancer? We'll say, well, dysplasia is not does not mean cancer. Dysplasia means an abnormal pattern of growth that is a pre- usually a precancerous change, and then we often provide them with a link to an article to talk to talk more about it. Um, or if they're um, asking about a particular uh, test result, we might uh, help them understand what that test result uh, means. So uh, we, we we stick to the pathology. We try to keep it general enough that we're not. Um, we're not basically leading them uh, towards, you know, we're not taking away from what, the, from what their their doctors are talking about. We're really just focusing on their, their question about their, their pathology report. And we've received a lot of great questions, I got to say, over time. Uh, and some of them have helped us revise our articles because we realized that this, you know, this question keeps coming up. Why isn't the article addressing this? Like, why, why are we not, um, why is this not something that, you know, we're, we're addressing directly in the article. And then other times um, we get questions where as a team, we feel that we've really helped the patient get back on track in terms of understanding the report. There have been patients who have sent us information from their report and it's clearly a descriptive diagnosis of something benign, but they are convinced they have cancer from this report because they misinterpreted some of the words and were able to kind of give them that support and, and explain that all these words here, although they're very technical, there's actually nothing in it that means cancer. And, uh, and it's been great to, to, you know, see that people are relieved to find out that this very complicated sounding pathology report did not actually mean something bad necessarily. Uh, it was just, you know, a lot of details, but that in fact, at the end of it, the pathologist was trying to say that there was no evidence of, residual malignancy or malignancy or anything found in this and patients are relieved to read that. So um, it, it's been really, it's been really uh, very uh, satisfying to, 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 um, you know, interact directly with patients in this way and, uh, and to give them that kind of advice. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like y- you had this idea and you started this website and it, it's working and now you're getting this feedback from patients that you're really helping them. Like, like, how does it feel that for you personally? That's got to be very rewarding. 
it, it is very rewarding and and it's not it's not um uh what i necessarily expected at first i i thought that it would be we would just put up a small number of articles and then we would you know maybe find a way to track how often people went to the website and that would be uh, that would be good it'd be a, you know that would be considered a success but after this many years as a pathologist you know in my office with the microscope and not having the opportunity to talk to patients directly it has been really nice to to have that that interaction again and to hear directly from patients about what they think of their report and to to know that you know we are making that positive uh that positive contribution uh in their care and it it's it motivates us to to continue the work that we're doing because that's ultimately why all of us any of us do this right it, it's 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 to help our patients and to to try to get people through a difficult time the best the best that that, that we can and to hear patients say you know you really helped me understand this i feel much better about my treatment now my my the options available to me i feel much better about the care i'm receiving that's really uh that's uh, that, that's very gratifying and um it's it's definitely turned into one of the best parts about the the website it's that uh the feedback directly from patients. Do you think in, in the kind of the near future that pathologists will have more direct patient contact e- either through websites such as this, or I've heard people suggest things like, you know, patients actually come to the pathologist's office and they have sort of an appointment with them. Uh, do you think that's something that's going to happen in the future? I, I can see some pathologists uh, becoming very active in this area and um, and seeing p- patients on a, on a, on a you know a regular basis uh, to talk about their reports to review their slides because I know that there are pathologists out there who are very passionate about about this 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 issue and 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 really do want to see patients. That being said, you know from my experience now uh, six years of doing this, I don't think that the average patient wants to necessarily meet with their pathologist and feels that they need to meet with their pathologist. They have questions about their pathology report. There are certain patients who are very keen to see their slides, very keen to talk to the pathologist directly. But for the most part, the patient really just wants to know what the report says and then go and have a conversation with their doctor about the treatment options and, and the way and the, and the way forward. So I don't think pathologists are going to be doing this on a right reg- all pathology doing this on a regular basis I, I certainly don't think pathology are going to be inundated with calls and and requests for appointments where i am here the ottawa hospital has uh, been providing patients um uh, immediate access to their pathology reports now for i can't remember exactly how many years but about three or four years now of, of immediate access before that it was available but it was delayed so now it's immediate um, and there was this concern that, as, you know, as soon as this happens, this change happens, the patients are going to start contacting our department right away, wanting to speak to the pathologist, wanting to know more about the report and wanting to come and, and talk to us about it. And that just has not happened. Uh, I've had maybe, uh, you know, I can count on two hands the number of calls or, or emails I've had over the years from patients here it, within this institution who want to talk about their report or, or review their slides uh, despite the fact they all have access. But I, I know that patients do look at the report and then go on to my pathology report and read about their report afterwards. I put a link to my pathology report in all of my reports that I issue so that patients can go straight from their report uh, once they read uh, the diagnosis or the description and go and, and learn more about it. And, you know, 
we, we could see how, 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 um, how many people come to the site from the Ottawa hospital. We obviously don't, don't, uh, see any actual uh, identifying information, but we get, you know, aggregate data showing just people coming from the Ottawa hospitals portals. And we, we know that a lot of people come directly from the portal to the website because they are seeing a report and then they want to go and learn more, more about it. So that, uh, that I think is the route that, that most patients are going to take. And I don't think pathologists should worry about, you know, their phone ringing off the hook or their, their inbox being filled up with patient requests. That said, I think there's a lot of value for the, the, the patient pathologist clinics that, that some people have uh, set up and are thinking about setting up uh, because they're, it's one of those things that when you set it up, there will be patients who want to use that and want to talk about it. And who better to talk about the pathology report than the pathologist? And so, you know, if you have the room, if you have the, the resources to set up a clinic like that, I'm, I'm sure the patients will appreciate it. And, and those pathologists are doing a great service for both the profession and patients. But I don't think the average pathologist has to worry too much about patients basically um, wanting to see them like they, they do the rest of their clinical team. They're, they're satisfied for the most part just having a, a better understanding, a more thorough explanation of what's in the report. And you mentioned that you put a link to the site in your reports. And I know I read somewhere that there's other hospitals in Canada and, and the U.S., that include this link as as well to to my pathology report, and I, and I think that's great. It's it's like the word is getting out about this site. That's right, there, and, and we're and we're you know we we we're it's um you don't have to pay to use the site. So you know any hospitals, any pathologists out there who are interested in putting the link in their in their reports or or providing a link somewhere in their portal is is great. We we encourage that. We we just want the the, the the largest number of patients to be able to know about the the, the resource so that they can they can use it. There, there's a benefit, of course, to patients, and they're they're more informed, and it potentially can get better care because they they understand things better. And there's a better, I think, there's a benefit to pathologists because they have it, it's more. I think maybe rewarding to know that you're directly helping the patient because you hear from the patient. But I think there's sort of a wider benefit to the field of pathology in general because people learn about the field more and, you know, you know, we're always behind the scenes. And with something like this, we're more in the forefront and it helps the whole field and potentially to get more people interested in the field and laboratory medicine in general. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I completely I completely agree with you. And that 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 was always a secondary uh, goal for this for this project, you know, we wanted to help patients understand the reports, but we also wanted to get the word out about pathology. Uh, it's such a great specialty of medicine, and and more people should consider it. More people should consider it in medical school. Um, more people should be considering it. You know, when they're in, in undergrad, they're thinking about medicine, and you know, and 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 it's not just uh, not just the pathologists. It's 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 people in in uh, in university who are thinking about a career in healthcare, uh, you know, being a pathologist assistant is, a is an incredibly, uh, rewarding job. Uh, it's, a, it's such important work. It's a, it lays the foundation for the work that the pathologist does. Uh, mm-hmm. you get to work with fascinating specimens and really learn about disease and, and anatomy. Uh, and so we want to encourage people to go into all aspects of, of lab medicine to, to help contribute, you know, to patient care in this way. 
And and the the website really has um, you know uh, been able to connect with people who may not have known about the specialty before, and uh, we've uh, we have had interest from a wide variety of um, patient advocacy groups and uh, medical advocacy groups who who suddenly are learning about the work that pathologists are doing and want to wow. know more and and they want they want to talk about it and they want to they want to share what we're doing and you know those of us in this in this field know know what we're doing and know that this work is important uh but you know others haven't had the opportunity to share in that and and even patients often didn't know where their tissue was going that it was actually being you know first uh examined by a pathologist assistant and then made into slides and then sent to a pathologist who was looking under the microscope. I think sometimes they, they feel that it's like a TV show, right? Gets removed from them. The doctor who removed it just goes into a back room, looks at it under a microscope, makes a diagnosis, walks out, talks to them about it, or, you know, incorporates it into the rest of their care. And they don't realize that there's this whole team of people back there who are, who are doing these things. And it's, and it's um, a very complicated area of medicine that, that uh, you, you really need a team of experts to, to do well. Um, and so if we attract more people to the field for it, and if we also make, um, make it less complicated so that more people can understand it, then we've really, you know, we, we, we really achieved, achieved our goal. And I think, I think we're, we're moving towards that. And again, going back to Zana's pictures, her pictures have really helped to make pathology accessible for a lot of people. I, I used to put more microscopic images on the, in the articles. The patient advisor said, well, they're nice, but I'm not really sure what's going on in this picture. But when Zana started drawing the pathology and the, the changes we're seeing under the microscope, then it started to click with people. And they said, oh, I get it. I, I, I know what you mean now. And I know I know what you're looking at. That makes so much sense. And, and so these are the things that we're doing to try to make our specialty uh, into something that everyone can understand and um, and that they understand what we're doing and why it's important. I love it. That's great. That's great. Uh, Dr. Jason Wasserman, thank you very much. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate being here. If you're looking for another episode of the People of Pathology podcast to check out after this one, here's a clip from my interview with Dr. Greg Fuller as we talk about the importance of pathology in a patient's clinical care. The pathologist is the first member of the patient's clinical team to have all of the information and the last piece of the puzzle will be the molecular signature, the next generation sequencing data, the DNA methylation profile. We are the first member to have all of the data, all eight Venn diagram spheres populated to make the precise diagnosis. What does that mean? It means that at tumor boards, at tumor boards where the discussion is a brand new patient initially, initially presenting, we should be able to understand everything that's said about the imaging, the backgrounds, all, all of that. Plus, we will know what needs to be done when, when there's a needle biopsy, et cetera, and we will have the, uh, the data when it comes out. Here's the bottom line, bottom line. Pathologists truly, in the year, I'm gonna call it 2023, but we're a month away. In the year 2023, we should be leading the tumor boards in terms of the knowledge, et cetera, for these situations. To hear more from Dr. Greg Fuller, including his eight data sphere model, check out episode 140. All right, great big thanks to Dr. Jason Wasserman. As part of the Cures Act in the U.S., patients have direct access to their medical records. 
Now, this is typically through patient portals on hospital websites. When this happened, there was some concern in the pathology community, which mostly seemed justified. There are many terms that we use every day that may not make sense to the average person. So there is clearly a need for a way to explain these things to patients. Dr. Wasserman and his collaborators have hit upon a great way to do this. Here's the main reason I like this. You could say that patients having access to the reports is a bad idea, right? And then try to work against that. That's reactive thinking. But Dr. Wasserman decided to be proactive. He thought, okay, this is happening. So how do we make it work better? So it seems obvious that having better informed patients is a good thing. It allows them to have a more active role in their own care. For some, it offers peace of mind when they finally understand their diagnosis. How many of us have had to explain a pathology report to a relative or a friend? Yep, I feel you. The proactive approach seems like a far better option. The added benefit is that it makes pathology more visible to the public. People will start to understand who we are and the part that we play in their care. That's a good thing. And it's not just here. Dr. Wasserman told me that half of the traffic to the site is from outside North America. So it's a global issue. And that's one reason why resources like this will continue to be valuable and will evolve over time. My pathology report is a great example of this and of how it can be done. I'll have a link in the show notes to my pathology reports. You can check it out for yourself. There's also a fairly recent article in CAP Today that Dr. Wasserman was a part of, and I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at People with Path, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network. And while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strink, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.